Well, hey, friend, welcome back to The Messy Table. That's right, an ordinary space where we can show up as we are and take a deep breath of truth and encouragement while daring to remember God is still at work in our mess. Well, I'm Jen Jewell, and I consider it a tremendous privilege to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast. And with me today is my lovely co-host who shared her powerful story back on episode 11, my good friend, Cindy Beal. Y'all, we are partnered with women of our church, Life Church, where, if we're honest, we also love locking arms with women from all over the global church because we're actually on one team worshiping one name. So whether you're joining us from Texas or New Zealand or Missouri or South Africa, we are truly so glad you're here. And if you frequently met us here at The Messy Table, you know we typically release a brand new episode into your earbuds every other Tuesday. However, we are airing this timely conversation a few days early as we venture into Mother's Day weekend. And hey, we absolutely celebrate the mamas in our lives, biological moms, adoptive moms, foster moms, stepmoms, grandmothers, spiritual mothers. The selfless sacrifice, those unseen moments, the unconditional love. But also, sometimes Mother's Day hurts. In fact, it can be overwhelmingly hard for so many women for so many reasons. I mean, maybe your own mom is no longer here or emotionally, she was never there. Maybe you've struggled for years and years to conceive or have had miscarriage after miscarriage. Maybe you're a foster mom who just aches to protect the child in your care. Maybe you've lost a baby or a teen or an adult child. Maybe you're an incredible stepmom, but your kids aren't with you on your special day. Maybe it was that years ago, you made a rash, desperate decision. A precious life was never born and you're still aching with guilt. Y'all, in the conversation notes, we're gonna link up several amazing past episodes that relate to these various topics. And while yes, Mother's Day weekend is a reason to celebrate, it's also a reason to pause, to pray, and to remember God's uncontainable faithfulness no matter what. Our amazing guest for today's episode is someone who knows and has lived that bittersweet side of Mother's Day. Kaylee Porter struggled with both primary and secondary infertility for over a combined seven years. And side note, did you know that one in eight couples are dealing with some form of infertility? That's a lot. And Kaylee, along with her husband Jay, who's a campus pastor at Life Church, were one of those couples. So they've definitely felt that heartache that long-term disappointment, and they've even uncovered some unexpected joy. Kaylee actually hosts a podcast called Joy and Infertility, where she's discovered through her own experience, as well as the experiences of others, that both are possible, even at the same time. So whether you yourself have dealt with this exact topic or not, there's something beautiful that happens when we hear each other's stories and glean from those perspectives. I, for one, am incredibly grateful for this conversation. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join Cindy and me for a chat with Kaylee. Well, Kaylee, welcome to The Messy Table. Jen, thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be on your show. You are one of my go-to podcasts, and it's just an honor to be here with y'all today. Kaylee, we're so excited you're here. And by here, 
What I really mean is in our own houses in three different cities because, hello, quarantine, but thankful for modern technology, right? Right. Yes. And everyone can relate that's listening. Totally. And to give Pastor Craig some props here, or maybe not props, but just to acknowledge that he doesn't like it when people say they're quarantined, but they can still go to the grocery store. So I totally get it. We're just staying home. How about that? Right. Pastor Craig, we're just... Shelter in place, basically. Sheltering in place. Yeah. So... Kaylee, before we dive into your story, we would love to hear a little bit about who you are, what makes you tick, anything you want to share with us about who is Kaylee? Well, I have been married to, I guess you could call my high school sweetheart. We started dating my senior year. I've been married to him for, Jay is his name, um, I think 13 years this year. Yay. And we have two babies that are absolute miracles for us. Um so grateful for them and what God has given us in them. And we currently live in Kansas City, Missouri, Casey Mo for those locals. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Casey Mo and Casey K, very different places. So we have been a part of the Life Church team for six years and currently my husband and I are the campus pastors of the Northland campus. We just celebrated our one year anniversary. I cannot Woo-hoo. believe it has been a year. Shout out to Northland. Yes. And I host a podcast called Joy and Infertility. And that's really one of my biggest passions right now is encouraging women that are walking through that journey. Um, I absolutely love my family and friends. And I figured out that my hobbies are basically shopping at TJ Maxx and eating out at restaurants, which mm. I'm not allowed to do any of so those. Right, right now, now what so. you're telling us, Kaylee, is you are saving some money, is what you're saying. <laughs> I am, but also Amazon may oh, have picked up just yeah, a little bit for yeah. our budget. Yes. <laughs> Amazon can't even keep up. It's like crazy town. They can't. Yeah, everything's so delayed. Yeah, like I order something. It says you're not going to get it to April 28th. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you are my, you're my. <laughs> what is this world? What is come this to? nonsense happening here? Seriously. So <laughs> there's some things that I feel like I have uh, kind of accustomed my life to, like Walmart grocery pickup, which right now is just a crazy headache because they're out of stock. Yeah, I can't even get a pickup. Yeah, you have to get on at like midnight if you even want to schedule anything. And then, like you said, Amazon. I'm so used to one day, two day delivery, and I'm like, what? next month, um, which is really just an entitled first world problem, but it still is a change. So I know I had to go grocery shopping the other day in person and I was in on person. the phone with Jay, like emotionally having to like prep myself, like, like you used to do this all the time. You yes. can handle this, but I was so stressed out about it. Cause I have not grocery shopped in years. Oh really? So. Okay. That's interesting. I've been choosing to go to Costco a lot. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is that it gets me into trouble with like the Pyrex dishes with the snap-on lids. If you have not purchased those, can I just tell you, they changed my life. They changed my my leftover food storage life. I've also found my little neighborhood Walmart market is like kind of a little secret compared to like the super Walmart. Yes. But yeah. I've been wearing my mask and, and it's hard, right? Like, I don't know if you guys are wearing a mask yet, but like I wear it. And I'm smiling at people and they can't tell that I'm smiling. And so I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be smiling anymore for a while. So (laughs) there was a sweet older lady that said, you have to look really closely at people's eyes to see if you're smiling, which I thought was really cute. That's true. Yeah, I don't I don't have smiling eyes. (laughs) We have a local grocery store called Reesers. And so I've pretty much done Costco and Reesers as opposed to Walmart whenever I can, because I feel like it is like caged lions in there. Yeah, it's pandemonium. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, 
So Kaylee, yep. it's almost Mother's Day. Obviously, you host a podcast called Joy and Infertility. You know firsthand about that tension that can come with such holidays. So we want to hear about your journey with trying to get pregnant, trying to start a family. I know that um, there's a whole story behind it. So would you kind of fill us in on what happened? Yeah. Mother's Day is so hard. I feel like so many women probably, it'd be interesting to know the number, how many women actually stay home from church that day mm. because it's just too painful. But I'm so grateful that I feel like in recent years, especially churches are so much more sensitive to women walking through infertility. I know Pastor Greg, he mentions it almost every year, mm -hmm. um, the church that we were a part of before they used to offer prayer for women that are walking through infertility. So I'm so grateful that it's not just kind of breezed over because it is such a reality for a large portion of our churches. But our story um, started, I, I want to say it was 2010. My husband and I had been married for a few years and we decided we were ready to have babies and mm -hmm. we were so excited. We just, I mean, it's that adrenaline of like, okay, any minute now, any month, mm -hmm. like any day of this month, we're going to get this news and be able to share it with our family and our whole lives are going to change forever. And we're so excited. And the first couple months have that just excitement and then it kind of starts to wear on. And then the next thing we knew, we were looking a year down the road. And so we were having to start to go to some specialists to get tested. And basically, we found out within about a year that there were some suspicions that I might have endometriosis or there could have been some other things going on. But the biggest issue that we found out right on was it was male factor for us. Mm. So um, my husband had, you know, low sperm count. It, there's three factors they look at. He had low on all of those things. And so they told us in the doctor's office that day that we had less than a 3% chance to get pregnant using even IUI, which is kind of like the lowest level of intervention. Mm -hmm. And so naturally it would have been even less than that. And so they really pushed us to IVF, which is the most intense procedure that you can do with infertility mm -hmm. in vitro fertilization. And we did not have the money for that laying around when we were in our early twenties. And so we started saving money and just really trying to get the money saved up for this. And turns out it took us about four years. We never were able to pursue IVF, but we were in the process. We had just kind of went public with the blog of our journey, had a little side business that I was doing on the side to save money. And it was going great. We were making progress towards that. And we found out in February or March of 2014, I think it was March, that I had actually been having some stomach ulcers that I thought were stomach ulcers. I went to the doctor multiple times. Then I had the flu and then I thought I had the stomach bug and turns out my trainer, my personal trainer came up to me at church. She's like, you really need to take a pregnancy test. She's like, I know you're not, I know you're not pregnant, but you should take one. Huh. So I did. It turns out I was naturally pregnant. Wow. We were shocked to our <laughs> yeah, core. It I took bet. four years. Amazing. But everyone was like, oh my gosh, were you so excited? Were you crying? Were there, you know, I was like, actually, no, we just, we were so shocked that it, it <laughs> happened that I don't think we fully processed it until I was probably halfway through the pregnancy because mm -hmm. it was just, it was just, I could not believe it happened. And it was actually, in that, it's a crazy story. The week that I found out that I was pregnant, we were flying out to Oklahoma City that weekend to interview for Life Church. Oh my gosh. And I was so sick. The whole interview weekend, I was so sick. I was eating crackers while the, you know, DLT were interviewing us. And I was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to keep from throwing up in front of you. So we told our family, hey, miracle of all miracles, we are pregnant. Um, also, we're moving and we'll oh, see gosh. you guys in a few months. Uh -oh. um, they weren't thrilled. <laughs> but, right. Which I do feel like there is such grace with that because I think if I ever got a taste of like 
having babies at home with our family, you know, with all, because all of our family lives on one piece of property in Florida. We're super close. I think it would have been so much harder to ever leave if God called us elsewhere. And now, you know, I don't know what that's like. I've only lived this life and I'm actually super grateful right. that happened. But so I thought our journey was over. I kind of shut down that blog because I felt like I didn't have a voice with women anymore, even though I had such a passion still for women that have walked through infertility. But I, I didn't, I felt like I have what they wanted. So I really can't speak to where they are now. Mm. And so I shut that down and we continued on with life. When um, my daughter, Emma, she turned a year old, we're like, all right, let's try this again. And everybody around us was like, oh, you're going to be able to get pregnant. So you now just watch, just watch. And it didn't happen that way. Turns out this was actually a little bit harder of a journey for us. It took us three and a half years of more testing. We actually picked up kind of where our testing left off before we found out we were pregnant with our daughter. My husband has what's called, it's based, I don't really know the full name of what it's called, but basically there's a cluster of veins. And if this is TMI for your podcast, this is what we talk about on mine. So if you need to just edit this out, that's hey, it's a messy table. Fun. Come on with the TMI. We're all about it. <laughs> there's a cluster of veins that basically block sperm production for him. And so they were able to go in in 2017. He had a surgery on January 1st to remove that cluster of veins. And it was like a 70% chance that it would work. And so he did that. And a month later, we were in the process, actually before his surgery, we were in the process of some IUI rounds, which was, like I said, the lowest form of intervention. But we had done one round and we were trying to do another round. It had failed. And they found out that I had a cyst on one of my ovaries. And so they were trying to do the typical, like, let's give it a month. It should go away on its own. Um, meanwhile, my husband had a surgery and I went in the next couple days later to check on my cyst. And they said, hey, it's still there. We're going to actually have to have surgery to remove it. And so February 1st, four weeks later, I went in to have my surgery. They removed it, but it wasn't a cyst. It was actually a dermoid tumor, mm -hmm. um, which is just a really gross, um, it wasn't, it's not cancer or mine wasn't cancerous, but just had the potential to be very bad for my internal organs. Gotcha. If it would have ruptured, they were really shocked that I hadn't felt it anything because within just a month or two, it would have ruptured and it would have been pretty severe, wow. the damage. And so it actually took my right ovary with it when they did the surgery. And so we kind of felt like that year here, we took a step forward with Jay and then I took a step back because now I'm down one of my ovaries, right. which was my main dominant ovary. Oh, man. So it was pretty discouraging. And did you have endometriosis? Hang on. Endometriosis. Endometriosis. <laughs> yes. And the other one? Yes, they did take that out. Okay. Well, it's all, so it's all over your um, reproductive organs. So it can be on your uterus. Right. And can it grow back even once it's like removed or scraped or whatever? Oh, yeah. Which is such a hard thing to tell women that have it. It's like, hey, I know you're struggling to get pregnant, but we just took out your endometriosis. It can come back like immediately, but the way to delay it is to either be on birth control or to get pregnant. Mm. So don't stress about getting pregnant, but hurry up and get pregnant right. so your endometriosis doesn't come back. And the only way to find it is to go in and have surgery. So they can't just like do a scan and mm. say, oh yeah, you have endometriosis. It's invasive. Right. So. Mm. It's kind of like we always say it's like a ticking time bomb that you're not supposed to think about is inside of you. Oh. But um, they took that out and we knew we were doing another IUI round. And so we kind of just put our hope in that basically that at least with my issues now, the IUI would help it. And so we did another round. It was actually really crazy. Um, we had someone from the church come forward and pay for the round in full because we were 
wiped what? at that point from our surgeries and our previous rounds. That's amazing. And what a they blessing. Just, That's awesome. Oh, yeah. They just came forward and said, hey, we know you're struggling. We want to know how much this this round's going to cost. And Jay didn't want to tell him, but um, he's like, I'm going to find out. So you need to just tell me. So he told him and he was like, I'm sending you the money this week. And so wow. it was just crazy. So we just, the buildup of that, like God is providing, this is going to work. Um, he's just made a way where there was no way. I mean, we were writing the story. This is going to work. And, um, I flew to Florida after our round and I was waiting. It was, it was on like the 11th day when they would call and tell you whether it worked or not. And when I got off the plane and my mom picked me up from the airport, um, they called and said, Hey, it, it didn't take, it didn't work. Mm. And so wow, that was just, it was a pretty big blow because we just felt like, then why did you allow mm -hmm. this person to come forward? Why did you make a way? Right. We could have just delayed this round. Why did we have to, why did we have to do it? And so we finished our trip here and got on the plane and I was headed back. And that's kind of when the, I was just in a really dark, it was my first time kind of being alone. You know, our family was pretty around us the whole time. So I didn't really have a lot of time to process, but I was alone on that plane and I just put my AirPods in or my earphones in and pulled up my podcast up because I said, I just need, I need some truth poured into this like really dark place right now that mm -hmm. I know the truth, but I just need someone else to speak it into my ear right now so that I don't have to think of it myself. Sure. Yeah. And so I typed in the, the search bar infertility and y'all nothing, nothing came up. That was what I was looking for. The only thing that came up was tips and tricks of how to get pregnant, people interviewing doctors, talking about, you know, these diets and this method and all of this stuff. And nothing was speaking to the truth. And I think now looking back, it was probably, you know, people code their podcasts differently. And so it just wasn't coming up because now I know there's multiple ones, but at the time nothing was there. And so I shut my app down, I actually listened to Jenna, I listened to one of yours instead. But I said, Lord, like I just needed this. And it was like he said, all right, sister, <laughs> fill the need. That's good. Um, because there is a need. And so it took a year, but that was pretty much how the podcast was born was right there on that plane after that failed IUI round for us. Mm. And so secondary infertility definitely was, I would say, more intense with just the procedures. But I feel like by launching the podcast that year and prepping for that, it just it was like a whole new level of healing that took place in my heart and of growth that took place in my life because I had to really basically brace myself because here I am trying to say that I, I want to encourage other women and I'm in the same place. And so I had to yeah. really you need to encourage yourself. Yeah. I had to really prepare for that. And so we launched the podcast um, last week was two years ago. Yay. And a few months after I launched the podcast, we were in the process. We actually, Jay and I just, I just interviewed him to kind of share our story. And on the podcast, he was like, you know, Kaylee, I just, he's like, I've actually, we haven't talked about this. We haven't said these words to each other, but I just feel like, like God may never give us another miracle. And I'm okay with that. And Emma's enough. And like, he just kind of said these words. And when he said it, I was like, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get another one, but if not, God's enough. He's given us Emma. Like I feel at peace. And at the time we were trying to walk through some drugs, some, um, it's called Femera. It's just a drug induced cycle. So you, it helps you ovulate. And they were going to let me do multiple rounds of it. And I said, when we got off the, I got off the interview together, I walked in the other room where he was. And I was like, I think I'm done after like, once this round is over, because the medication was already in me. I said, I don't want to do any more because I just feel like 
our hearts are at peace and I want my body to be at peace. I don't want to mm. wake up every morning and test and have that thought all day long of like, okay, I'm not ovulating today. I'm not ovulating today. Mm. And two weeks later, <laughs> I found out that I was pregnant. Wow. And that the round had worked. That's awesome. And so it was our second miracle. And that miracle turns one in two weeks. And so, so Kaylee, I love what you um, said, how that podcast was birthed in the middle of your pain. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there is reasons to minister in the middle of your pain and then to wait till you're maybe a little bit more removed. Personally, for me, Chris and I, when our marriage fell apart, we waited a certain amount of time before we began to pour into others because it was just such a, um, I mean, how do you pour into marriages when your marriage is on the rocks anyway? So that was for us, we had a delay, but in your situation, there is so much power in ministering in the middle of it because it does two things. It helps women identify with you and know, okay, I can trust her because she's in the thick of it. The second thing it does It progresses your healing and it almost speeds it up. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you kind of, you know, mentioned a second ago about the healing that came as you began to minister. And I I personally believe, I mean, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 talks about the comfort we've received from God that we can then give it to others. It's ministering from a place Mm -hmm. that was once great pain. And I think it's amazing that you've you've done that. And how many women have been encouraged to go, I'm not alone. Because when I've shared things about our story, most of the women will say to me, Cindy, I'm just glad I'm not alone. Mm. Isn't that crazy? That that is a common theme is that people feel like they're alone. But whenever you look at the stats, one in eight couples are dealing with this. And I think it's way more. Mm-hmm. But they just, that's a common thread. It's like, I, I feel like I'm alone. I had no idea. I, I didn't know anyone dealing with this until I talked to you. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So Kaylee, tell us again your timeline. So between trying to get pregnant with your daughter and getting pregnant, how long was that? So it took us four years to get pregnant with Emma. Okay. And then it was three and a half years with Grantham. Wow. So obviously, you know, you're telling the story rather quickly because we're on a time limit and we're on a podcast, but man, Mm. (laughs) that is a long time. If you think about seven plus years of waiting, of waiting on God, of trying to just grapple with what's going on. And I know this topic is so tender and I honestly just want to hug every woman on the other side of these earbuds who knows this pain too well, who's dealing with it right now. But I'm curious, what was your inner dialogue as you kind of came face to face with these seasons of waiting? Like, did you blame God? Did you blame yourself? Were you hurt? Were you hopeful? Maybe all of the above at different times? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would definitely say probably all of the above. For me, I, I mean, I had good days and you have bad days. If you allow your feelings to determine how you how you're doing, you're gonna have a lot more bad days. Um, Facebook was around whenever we were trying to get pregnant with Emma, and so, I mean, I I think one day I counted nine pregnancy announcements in one day. Wow! And it was a day that we had, you know, we got some bad news from you know our doctors, and so that was super hard. Hearing pregnancy announcement after pregnancy announcement, a lot of them cl- very close friends and coworkers, and so yeah, no, it was. Lots of anger. I would say jealousy really tried to take over, mm. um, especially those at one point that um, a, a certain announcement came through and I thought I was going to be crushed. Like I physically felt because um, I was in person when it happened and I physically felt like my heart just was being crushed and I could not 
breathe until I could get out of view of this person. And I was so angry at her, which is so unfair. Mm. Um, but I was, and I know one of the things that was kind of a turning point for me with that was my friend and mentor who was with me also at the moment when it happened, I think she could see probably through glazed eyes of what was happening inside of me. And as soon as that other person left, she said, listen, I I know this is hard. And I think I said some really terrible things. I was sweeping up floor, actually. and I think I was just saying some really terrible things about this person, about this life and how they didn't deserve it, which is not true at all. It was just really ugly sin coming out of Mm. me. And she was like, I know this is hard and I'm going to say this. And I know it has nothing. It does not relate at all to what you're going through. But I think there's a point that I want you to hear. You know, they were in the process of selling their house at the time and they could not sell it. It was like had been on the market, I think, for, you know, six or eight months or something. That was a really long time. And she was like, I want to sell our house so bad because we want to get closer to where we're serving our, you know, community with our church. And so I want to sell our house. And it seems like everyone around us, if I want to get real with it, everyone around us who's not doing what we're doing for the Lord is being able to sell their house and we can't sell our house. And it can make me very bitter inside every time I see a sold sign in a yard or I hear a friend announce it on Facebook that their house sold after two days of being on the market. Mm. And she said, so the Lord really convicted her that instead of being bitter and angry when she sees those announcements, he wanted her instead to be grateful and thankful that God allowed that burden to be relieved from them and just to shift her mindset on that. And she was like, you're not there today. And I get that. But I just want you to be thinking about this. When you hear announcements, when you hear your friends that are getting pregnant all around you, try to be thankful for that life. Because as you know, life is a miracle, whether it was an accident or not. I mean, that's one thing that we've learned with infertility. Like the fact that anyone can get pregnant, it's insane. Right. So much has to be perfect in our bodies and the right things have to meet and has to take and implant. And it's just nuts that that even works. And so she said, you know, try to be thankful instead of bitter and just don't even let it go past there. Just God, thank you so much for that life and move on. That's and awesome. I started doing that and it was, it definitely shifted the tide of my heart for sure, because I didn't allow myself to go that step farther of, but God, why can't I have that? Right. Um, there were days that I would do that, but the majority of the time when I saw those announcements or I heard those friends tell me, I would just try to be grateful for them um, because it was a miracle. Well, Kaylee, I love what your friend said to think about how their burden or their struggle is released. Now, maybe that person wasn't struggling with infertility, but the fact that you have gone through this infertility journey and how painful it's been for you to see that they're not going to have to go through that. It allows you to be empathetic and to genuinely Mm -hmm. not want people to suffer Uh, what you have. And I get it. And I think that was a beautiful story for her to tell you, even if it was just about her house, but you know, we can't compare pain, whatever pain we're walking through is what we're walking through. And Mm. so um, I remember, you know, my own struggle, Chris and I, it took us four years to get pregnant with our oldest son, Noah. And Mm. I Mm. wish I had had somebody speak that to me like your friend did, because I was mad. I would hear about my mm-hmm. friend getting pregnant with their first and then with their second and then with, you know, yeah. and I was mad. I was like, they get two, they get three. I can't even get one. Right. And so I wish that I had had the knowledge, the people around me, because everybody would say, oh, you'll get one one day. 
And when Mother's Day would happen, they would say, well, you're a mother to God, or this is for when you are a mother. And it just would make, like you said, it was it was a hard day. So A knife to the heart. Yeah, like salt in the wound. Yeah. Oh, it's a salt. Because, so that was for me, it was like, I don't ever want to hear that I will be a mother one day because there's just no guarantee. The only guarantee that I can have mm-hmm. is that God would be with me on this journey. And so I did cling to that, mm-hmm. even in my anger. Um, but I am proud to say, or not even proud, but just blessed to say, say that that baby I waited four years for, he's 21 and married right now. So that mm. has been a long <laughs> time ago, but he's my sweet Noah and he's got a sweet little wife named Ella too. So anyway, I just am thankful no. that friend spoke truth to you. And I'm thankful that you were able to kind of turn that around in your own heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So I want to know mentally, spiritually, practically, what got you through those years of uncertainty? Like, obviously, you had some friends around you to pour truth. What else? What other things um, helped you when you were in the thick of it? My husband is a forever optimist. <laughs> That's one thing, which was helpful and hurtful at times because he would just say over and over again, Kaylee, we're going to have a baby. Don't worry. We, like, no matter what, like there will be a way to get a baby, whether we have to do this, this or this. And I was like, you actually don't know that if it is not God's will for us to have this, like mm-hmm. all those things can be thwarted that are in your head. But he just, he was super optimistic and just did not allow me to wallow too often. Um, he allowed me to wallow, I think probably just enough. And then he would often just speak truth and pull me back out of it, which is basically how he treats our entire lives, which is awesome. But he was super helpful. And then obviously the friends that I did have surrounding me that spoke life into me, I didn't know anyone at the time, whenever we were struggling with Emma, that had walked through infertility themselves. And the more that I started to share, the more people that came out of the right. woodwork. Right. That's what I was going to say. There were probably people mm-hmm. that were struggling, yeah. but they oh, just yeah. didn't say it out loud. Yeah. Now, my mom had had her journey with it as well. She had issues having my brother and I, and then actually 11 years later, my little brother. <laughs> um, it took 11 years to have that. but So she was definitely a source for me. But I would say just discovering truth for myself and what it meant for me. I would, I think infertility is probably the thing that really solidified my faith Mm. and what I believed about Christ. That's good. Because before that things had gone pretty okay for me. Sure. And so it was the time for me to figure out, okay, is God who he says he is? um, And can I trust him with my life? Mm. And so I think preventing that bitterness with what my friend had shared with me that day, that was kind of like a cornerstone moment for me. And then I think another cornerstone moment was whenever I kind of started processing like, okay, if this doesn't ever happen for me, what am I going to do with it? Right. Um, Am I still going to love God and serve him or am I going to let it break me and tear me apart? And I don't know what, what it possibly could do to my marriage. And so I just kind of started to live in that. Um, I would let myself live in that reality of this may never happen for me. And some people may hear that and they say, well, that's not believing, you know, for what God says he will give, you know, the desires of your heart. But I think that scripture means something different. I think he may shift our desires to align with what he wants for our lives, because what he wants for us is the best, best thing for us. And so, so true. I really just started to allow myself to live in that reality and okay, so Lord, if I don't get this, if you don't give me my baby Mm. that I want so badly, am I still going to love you and trust you and believe that you are good? And I would, I I came to the place where, okay, I can do that. I will still serve you and I will still love you and I will still trust you with my future if you never give me this desire. And it's kind of like, you know, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the King Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw him into the furnace. They said, 
we know God can rescue us. Right. But if he doesn't, I still won't bow to your gods and I will still serve him forever. For sure. Um, It's good. What a crisis of faith for you. I mean, that's really what it was in in that journey. It was like, Mm -hmm. okay, do I really believe what I've always said I believed and even what I've maybe taught in my church or people have watched me? Do I really believe that? And so it sounds like you really came full circle with God. Doesn't mean the pain didn't go away. It doesn't mean that that desire went away, right. mm-hmm. but you were able to live. My husband talks about living in the tension. Yes. Because sometimes yes. we just have tension in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kayla, you said something earlier when you found out, I think it was, you found out you were pregnant with Emma, I think, and you shut down the blog. Was that right? Yeah. If, after a few months, I just stopped blogging. Okay. Right. You said you didn't feel like you had a voice. Right. And you thought, well, I don't have a way to speak to women anymore because now I have what they want. And ultimately, you now have two little darlings and you still have this podcast. So I'm curious, Mm -hmm. how has that viewpoint shifted for you? Tell us a little bit about like... um, who you have on the podcast, who are you interviewing, or is it just you talking? Just give us a little bit of insight into what that looks like. Yeah. I, I mean, Cindy, I don't know if you felt this way. Like you said, 21 years ago, things were probably very different, but women that are walking through infertility, it, it is such a stark difference of you have, and you don't, you have a baby and I don't, there's no really in between there. And so when you don't have a baby, you look at everyone that does have a baby and there's just a difference. Yeah. There is there is a difference with your lives. And I felt that before Emma was born, even though, you know, I, it wasn't that I was, it was always a negative thing. It was just the reality of it. And so whenever we naturally got pregnant, I did. I just felt like, okay, now I'm on the other side. And I, everyone on the, on the side that I was on before that doesn't have a baby, they don't want to hear from me anymore because... I have what they want. Sure. Um, I have what I wanted. And so, Cindy, 21 years ago, do you still remember the pain that you walked through for yeah, four years? I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, it doesn't crush me, obviously, because it has been so long. But when I hear about, um, you know, one of my dearest friends is struggling in this area, and I, I feel for her. Like, I mm-hmm. feel it with mm-hmm. her. I want to make it all go away. Yeah. Because I remember almost feeling like less of a woman that I couldn't provide because we weren't really sure all those years ago if it was something with me or something with Chris, but I just Mm -hmm. felt like clearly I can't do this. Something's wrong with me. So, yeah. Yeah. And so whenever we found ourselves in the same place, actually, so backing up, there's a part of my story I haven't really shared. Um, when Emma was six months old, I was, I was at home with her. Jay was working at the church and I decided like, I was like, I need something productive to do during the day. And I really still want to encourage women that are in that season, but I didn't think it was, you know, I couldn't really, you know, journal and blog about my journey anymore because the journey had changed. And so I started making jewelry and I started selling a business called the Porter Box and it was jewelry to help women share their story. And a lot of the pieces, they were all graphically designed scripture pendants Mm -hmm. and a lot of the scriptures and a lot of the quotes that were on them were specific to infertility. And so it took off. It did. It it has done really well. Um, Now it's kind of a little bit more on the background because we have a lot going on in our lives, but that was my way for that to kind of bridge me for those few years before the podcast launched that I was still able to encourage women 
that are in that season. Mm -hmm. And then whenever we found ourselves in the same boat, you know, secondary infertility, and it was even a little bit more of a struggle with just the procedures that we had to go through. And that obviously I had that desire that God said, okay, you know, fill the need. And so I did. And I, I immediately felt like, okay, I can do this because I interview women. I have women share their stories. They're mm. the, the ones that are walking through infertility or have walked through infertility mm -hmm. and are still pointing people to Jesus that are still finding hope and joy through the process. That's why it's called joy and infertility. You can have both. Yeah. And so I didn't feel like I was carrying the story. The story didn't depend as much on right. my journey. Right. But I will say whenever we found out we were pregnant with Grantham, I really struggled with what I needed to do. Um, I did not feel a release to quit the podcast at all, um, but I was worried that my listeners would maybe not want to hear anymore. Don't you feel like that was a lie? I, oh, I think so, for sure. Because when you were going through infertility, didn't you probably love to hear those stories of hope? Like, man, I struggled for all these years, and then we eventually had a baby. Or maybe they didn't, but God was still faithful, and they were still trusting Him. Yeah. Well, and I think... One, like I said, one of the common themes is I feel like I'm alone. And I, my job as a host is to share stories, to show women they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And, and hey, I was there too. You're, you're not alone. Yeah. And I'm still here asking you, hey, you good? Like, I want to share this with you. Like, I, I see you. And I think it was the enemy just, I mean, I really do think it was the enemy trying to take it out. Mm -hmm. And when, I mean, everybody that I would tell that to, all of my close friends and Jay, they were like, you're crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but y'all haven't walked through this the way that women like I have walked right, through this. Right. So you don't get to say I'm crazy for feeling this <laughs> don't way. Don't call me crazy. But I do think that we can kind of look at someone else and think, well, they have it worse. Like this is a totally different topic. But when our son Jack was really little, he had a string of seizures and it was super scary time, really uncertain for us. But now I'd I don't really talk about that much because I'm like, oh my goodness, we have people at our church, you know, one of our campus pastors and his wife and their daughter who has lots of seizures per day and is walking through something so much worse. So we almost, right. you know, don't want to share our story because we're like, well, I don't have it as bad as them. And, mm -hmm. and I just need to be praying for them. And really it's like, no, we still need to share the story that we have because whatever you said earlier that we don't power rank pain, like pain is pain. And the things that we mm -hmm. go through in our lives that are hard, God still wants to use those things as a platform to tell about his goodness, whether we're still going through it or whether we've been through it and we can proclaim his faithfulness. And so I do think that that is a lie that I'm glad that you were able to overcome because people desperately need your story and your words. I point people to your podcast all the time because people ask me, do you have any episodes on infertility? And I'm like, oh yeah, we have a couple that talk about, you know, the story that they've been through, but your podcast focuses solely on that. And, you know, people can really come and find that hope when they're going through such a dark time. So I'm yeah. grateful for it. And I like what you said, Kaylee, you, you said, I see you. Um, I think that is possibly the most important thing that we can do as hope givers is to say, man, I see you. Cause mm. it sounds like Jay is similar to Chris. Cause Chris is like the optimist of all optimists and he's Mr. Positivity. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so there were times where I just wanted him to wallow with me and he yeah. was like, babe, we got this. It's good. <laughs> and, but you don't want to be wallowing, but there's still that element of, Hey, I see you. I see your pain. God has not forgotten you. And 
I notice you. I just think that was really beautifully said. Um, so as we've kind of, you know, are wrapping this up, obviously we could talk about this for hours just because God is good and he is faithful and he meets us where we are and he takes us to different places out of those pits. But is there anything we are not asking you or anything that's on your mind that you're thinking, I need for someone who's listening and who's struggling, I need for them to hear this. Well, I think kind of what we just talked about was saying that we see you. Um, Mother's Day's coming up, and there's a lot of people probably listening that do not deal with infertility. If you've made it this far, <laughs> thank you for listening. Right. But I think that you probably know somebody that is walking through it. Mm-hmm. When you look around the landscape of your life and you see women that do not have kids that have been married, that could be a sign. That's not always a sign, but it could be a sign uh, that there's something going on. And I would just, especially if you know those people in your life that, you know, maybe they've had a miscarriage or they're struggling to have kids, maybe take this Mother's Day or just reach out to them, send them a text, send them a gift. Um, I think the assumption with people in our lives is that someone's got her, someone's checking on her, someone that's probably walked through this with her more, or someone that knows what this is like is checking on her. Um, But that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. I have very close friends that have had miscarriages and their own families do not check in because it's Mm. awkward. It's awkward. It's really awkward. Yeah. I don't think typically Um, people have bad intentions. Like you nailed it. It's awkward. They don't know what to say. They don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And so that's the fear. I don't know what to say because I've never experienced it. So I'm just not going to say anything. And you don't have to say something eloquent, just saying, hey, I know this is a hard week. How are you doing? Mm, that's good. What can I pray for you for this week? Um, just sending them a text this week or, you know, send them a gift. They didn't get a gift this year from their kids. Um, mm. So send them a gift and just say, right. this is a this is a hard week. I love you. I see you. Um, I think that's just a really powerful way that the church can love on women that are dealing with this issue. That's really good. And then for those of us who have walked through infertility or are walking through it, I guess more specifically, I would just say that anger, bitterness, and jealousy, the path that I was on in the beginning and the path that a lot of people are on is not going to get you to your miracle any quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, That's good. But neither will hope and faith. That's not going to get you there any quicker, but I guarantee you it will make you go farther and longer and you will end out your journey, whatever that looks like, with a deeper relationship with Jesus, a stronger marriage, and you will be stronger yourself. And I, lo- I say the scripture at the end of every episode, Isaiah 40, 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's what we need. When we're walking through this, you need renewed strength. And the only way to get that is to hope in the Lord, not hope in the next treatment, hope in the Lord. Mm. He is our creator. The treasure is in him, not what he creates. And I, we say this on our podcast a lot, that if we don't deal with the heart issues of infertility, now they will come up later mm. after kids, after miracles. It's a good point. This is just a trigger, basically. Yeah. That's good. And there's a whole lot more triggers that come up in our right. lives. Absolutely. Well, I hear you saying that joy is not dependent on circumstance. So whether that's infertility or maybe it's this coronavirus or whatever else, whatever other situation is going on, you know, we are all dealing with hard things, but really our joy is beyond circumstance. Mm-hmm. And that's because real joy is rooted in Christ. And so yes. I really appreciate that reminder. Yeah. Man, Kaylee, this has been um so powerful to hear from you and to just kind of get a glimpse of what your heart has been through, what it was like Mm -hmm. and the struggles and the triumphs. And I think that you have found God in every season. And I pray that that encourages our listeners because 
if there's one thing we know is that God is the same. He doesn't change. Um, even when things are bad, he is still good. Right. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kaylee. You're awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. Well, as Kaylee so beautifully mentioned, if you are someone who's currently facing infertility, we want you to know that God sees you, He loves you, and while we certainly cannot give some blanket explanation for your exact circumstance, we know that He hasn't forgotten you. This is one of those times when we can't forget the words of Jesus. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So as mentioned in the beginning, we've linked several past episodes in the conversation notes that could also fall into the category, When Mother's Day Hurts, episodes about loss or fostering, about blended families or post-abortion hope. You can find those and join our email list right there in the same conversation notes. You can also subscribe for free wherever you stream your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. And we'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. Guys, this weekend, no matter what celebrations or sorrows you're facing, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.